Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. It's your new favorite podcast host, Bonnie Somerville, and this is Second Act. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so excited that you are still here with me. And uh, I know you're all leaving me those amazing reviews and you're actually pressing five stars as we speak. You're just like hitting it. One, two, three, four, five. Do it again. Tell your mom to do it. Why not? I'm so happy to be here. This has been an amazing ride for me so far. And also some of you have written me and left me messages and asked me questions already. I love that. So before I forget, um, you can follow me on at second act underscore pod on Instagram and message me there any questions you have. You can also follow me on my Instagram, which is Bonds Somerville, like the Fonz, but with a B. And follow me on Twitter, second act pod, and ask me questions um, because I love hearing from you. And also don't forget, tell all your friends to subscribe wherever they get their podcasts. Please continue to send me messages. I've gotten some really kind ones and uh, it, it inspires me a lot and helps me a lot. And I'm happy that I'm inspiring some of you guys with your second acts and what you're going through in life and feel free to send me questions and messages whatever you want i love to hear from you um this next guy i don't even know how long i need to introduce because it's a long one it's super funny i'm really proud of it we talk about everything it's really awesome if you don't know how the business works if you don't know how to you know sell a show if you don't know how actors get started if you don't know how it used to be um, back in the day in the dinosaur era when we were all starting out. It's really good for that. This guy's an amazing stand-up comedian, writer, producer. He's a dear friend of mine. And um, we met a long, long time ago, right after I'd gotten off this little show. You know, that little show, Friends. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's like a show about this. Pals. They could have called it Pals. I don't know. They picked Friends. Yeah, there were like six of them. I don't know, three girls, three guys. Anyway, if you haven't heard about it, you should look it up. It's kind of a big deal. So after that, I got my first sitcom where I was actually one of the leads. Uh, it was called The In-Laws. And you'll hear all about that. And this guy's just awesome. He's hysterically funny. He's a dear friend. He taught me a lot about the business. There's going to be a lot of talking, a lot of laughing, a lot of talking over each other. <laughs> These are two people that ain't shy. We like to talk. So I cannot wait for you to hear this interview with my dear friend, Elon Gold. Everybody, I'm very thrilled, very, very thrilled to introduce my one, my only, my favorite, Shabbat Shalom, TV yes. husband, Elon Gold, everybody. I, I already, you're starting this podcast <laughs> off dishonest. I'm not your only one. You've had others. I don't what? count them. Oh, really? Ross wasn't one of your, well, you didn't get married. I didn't to get married. No, it's, I'm, oh, listen, just like in real life, always a girlfriend, never a wife. Can we quickly act out? Um, I'll be Ross, you be yes. Mona. Are yes. you ready? Yes. Um, okay. You're over me? When were you um, under me? What do you think? I mean, maybe maybe we should do a Christmas card together. I mean, what do you think? You think it's too soon? Wow, how do you do that? How do you age <laughs> your voice down 25 years? I just have to go higher because my voice now is like I sound like I, I basically I'm Elliot Gould at this point. 
For the no, record, awesome. I, I have had several uh, TV and movie wives, and you are hands down my favorite. And as I said on my roast, I was uh, roasted recently, and you were, I'm to this day getting accolades. You know who was the best? And I'm thinking, uh, Russell Peters, Jay Leno, Tom Arnold, Bonnie Somerville. No way. You're I making swear, that up. I swear I'm getting it to this day. And my favorite, op my favorite opening joke was about you when I said, Bonnie Somerville is here, my TV wife. And you know, Bonnie is uh, uh, my TV wife and actually a lot like my real wife, except I fuck Bonnie. <laughs> Wait, explain to the audience uh, yes. because we're how, jumping how right I in. How I fuck you? Yeah. Well, no, it's well, the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath thing. You know, it's everyone... almost the Sabbath. Okay, By the way, look at me dropping F-bombs. I, I have holy Jewish books behind me. So and for I'm... people that don't know, Elon is Orthodox. He's a, he's modern, a very hot, Orthodox. sexy, modern Orthodox comedian, but he goes into the Batcave at sundown. So, so we got to, you know, we have to make sure we get every point because soon he'll turn into a, a vampire. You know, the clock, the, the, the sun is setting, the clock is ticking, but let me tell you something. There, no, 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 no. To everyone out you. there. I recommend to everyone out there, take 25 hours a day and put your damn phones down. I promise you right now, if Jesus, if anybody came down and said, Hey, by the way, the Judaism thing, it's all baloney. I would still go. Can we keep the Sabbath? Can I have dinner with my teenage kids without them staring at TikToks? Can I oh, talk about TikToks? My yeah. future stepdaughter, I'm having, a, I've, I've never seen the TikTok. Future? But wait, let future? me ask. Are there, are there wedding yet. bells? Yes. Wait, let me ask you a question. I'm running this interview, not you. Okay, you can't. This is the problem with this. This is the problem with this podcast see? right now. <laughs> the two of us are addicted to talking. We no, can't not talk. We also love each other and we have a lot of stories. But wait, before you go on. That's you, me, oh. you, and Jeff Goldblum. Wait, for the audience, so you don't see this, I walked into Elon's office at his roast and I said to my boyfriend, oh, and who's this and who's that? And I always assume the worst. Oh, nobody remembers me, Bubba. And next to Elon's desk is a photo of me and Elon and Jeff Goblum from when we had our show, which we're going to get back to where we met. Yes. yes. Uh, at the Mercer Hotel. Yes. When we were killing it and we had just been picked up by NBC and we were right. like, we're about to get rich. Yeah, rich. baby. And I, t I took that photo out 42 minutes before you showed up. Okay, listen, can I go, go back really quick before you move on about the Orthodox and the joke about Please. the Sabbath? I tell everybody this, and I told this to Dave when we were on our way mm -hmm. to your roast. Mm -hmm. Not only have I always admired you for doing that, and also like not you have such strong values about family and work right. ethic, and you won't work on Fridays, and I know you've no. turned down jobs. Yes. I know you've made choices. I have always admired that so much just because, forget the religion thing, to put everything away, literally, for 24 hours and sit with your loved ones, I, I, I think it's the most brilliant genius idea. And if we don't need, we need it now more than ever. It's beautiful. And for the record, we don't just sit there. You could literally have people over. You can go to other people's homes. Well, you do it. You do it. You don't do it like the way I grew up in Flatbush when the Orthodox would knock on our door and go, could you turn our lights on for oh, us? Oh, yes. The, the, the Shabbos Goy. The good, well, the I, I was the Shabbos Goy. But no, you're, you do this for so long. And the I first time this. I went to your dinners when we met, I was like, the family thing, the yeah. toast to the wife, the, the friends, the wine, the Well, just happiness. think about how it's the only night of the week where I'm not going to run to a comedy club 
My daughter's not going to run to her boyfriend. They're not going to go to Xbox and whatever. It is that time. By the way, it's tonight. And you're right. The wine, it's exciting. It's to the look best. Forward. I told Dave, I cannot wait for him because he's never been to one to come to your house. I have memories of when we first met of yeah. going to your house in your tiny apartment when you only had one kid. Right. The best, some of the best nights of my life were just sitting around. It's like Thanksgiving with prayers and right. tons of wine. Yes, people and, say that. Everyone that comes to visit, they say, wow, so we do this twice a year, Christmas and Thanksgiving. You do it every Friday night? Like, every yeah, Friday. it's Thanksgiving every weekend it here, is. bitches. It is, and people get to sit. You're, I, honestly, it's, it's a beautiful thing. But wait, Thank you. I'm going to rewind, and I want to tell everybody, first off, how we know each other, yes. starting from the beginning. Don't forget to tell the parking lot story. Oh, no, you're going to tell that story. I know Elon Gold, my very first sitcom that I had gotten after Friends where I was a lead. I booked a sitcom that Elon wrote and produced called The In-Laws. And Elon, tell everybody what that was. First of all, wrote is, is a bit of a stretch. I take no credit for the writing of, of, of that terrible show. Uh, what happened was, what happened was, here's the thing. And this is what I love about this show, that it's all about you know, second act. Yes, right? and you have a million, so we have to start somewhere, so go. And, and, and by the way, I do have a million, and I doubt that you'll ever have one guest that will say, I've had only a second act. There is no way, you can't live life with one second act. I appreciate the title and the theme, but it's really, you're constantly reinventing, you're constantly adapting. Look at this, look at this pandemic. Everyone had to adapt, and my first thought when the pandemic hit was like, oh my God, I can't wait to sit back and watch Breaking Bad. And I still haven't, you know, seen- well, you, I, I'm seeing You know, second act is just a metaphor. I mean, it's, it's a title, but yes, right. my point was to interview people like you and me and, and, and doctors, lawyers, uh, divorce, uh, more, you know, whatever it is, how many times in life do you reinvent yourself or you'll just get old and die and quit. But wait, tell everybody about the in-laws. That's how we met. Um, well, we tell met- Tell them what it was. We, so I was doing stand-up for a while, and uh, I, I, I was living with my in-laws at the time uh, because despite what they will tell you, uh, Jews don't have all the money. In fact, I had almost none of the money, and I, don't, I, don't, I want to meet these Jews that have, all, have it all. I had almost none of the money. I must have skipped the important meeting where they handed it out, and I was just doing stand-up and, and, and my, literally living with my in-laws because I couldn't afford whatever. And my manager, the great Willie Mercer, I'm like just bitching and moaning to him about the hell that is my father-in-law and just not having independence and freedom and being under their roof. And he was like, you should be talking about this in your act. I can sell this as a TV show. And I, and I was like, really? It's, just, it's, not, it's not really organic to my act. It's not what I talk about in my act, but I guess I can you know, fabricate a few comedy bits about living with the in-laws, which I did. And you have to understand, this is a time where comedians were given sitcoms at LAX. When you landed at the airport, before you got your luggage, you got a sitcom deal. Here, you, you want a development deal? I'm actually just trying to get my luggage. No, 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 yeah. no trust me. You and this is it. around 90, this is like 2004 or five. Right, and, yeah. and all through the late 90s in that period, if you did the Montreal Comedy Festival, which I did you know, almost every year for 10 years leading up to that, the second the industry 
the, the town, the showbiz folks, heard that you were booked to do, to do the Montreal Festival, before they saw your act, before they saw whether or not you were fun, oh, he's doing the festival, we should give him a deal. Yeah, and a development be, deal. Yes. There would Tell be, it, wait, for all our listeners that are yes. civilians, and I quote, explain back in the day when you and I were lucky starting out, what the golden ticket, what was a development deal? Because I had two and it was the golden ticket. Explain what that is. It is the golden ticket. They used to give it out to actors who they loved like you and thought that we should hold on to her because someone else will take her. And if we pay her to not go anywhere else, we can just plop her in right. shows. So we're going to pay you enough money to not take any job for a year or two. And it could literally be $100,000, which is a staggering amount of money, or half a million dollars. Especially in 2000, 2005. That was, yes. that was crazy talk. Crazy talk. So that's so back in the day. So comedians, they would give these deals to, and it was like, if you had five good minutes, they would give you a sitcom development deal. They would give, for five good minutes, you could have $500,000. Because sitcoms insane. were huge back then. Huge back that, then. That so, was we're, it. We're, so we're coming off of the Tim Allen, Giant Home Improvement, and Roseanne, and Seinfeld, and, Seinfeld. And, and it's like, okay, they saw comedians on TV are working, let's just throw money at comedians, but it's throwing shit against the wall. It's literally like they were throwing it at everybody. And remember, and guys, this was before cable, this was before social media, this was right. before, I mean, it was barely internet. I didn't even have uh, an email account when I met you, Ilan, I got one after. This was back when comedy was, if you had a sitcom, you, that was it. You were the most famous it, person on earth. That's 100% true. And also, no one can relate to this under like 40. But this was at a time when it meant something to be on TV. You couldn't just YouTube broadcast yourself. It was like if you wanted to be on a screen, you had to have a studio or a network go, we want you to be on a screen. Speaking of which, you had to audition like I did for your show, five, six, seven, eight times i auditioned for your show i think it was like and they would do the rounds remember yeah they would cut you know cut 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 and you'd wait in the hall and you'd wait in the car and go okay you made it to the next round you made it to the next round. Right. now these kids these kids i say kids, these kids today yeah you're getting offers from your instagram from your instagram from your instagram right and that's the thing about instagram like now in this pandemic I went, hey, instead of waiting for a network to give me a show, I'm going to give myself wait, one. Wait, wait, I want to talk about that, but I just right, we'll want you to- We'll get to that. I, no, because that's, that's, I do that's have that on my list. Act. That's a ninth I, act. Okay, so back to the show. And let me just say this about comedians getting sitcoms. We all got completely full of ourselves. We all started thinking in the clubs. I was in New York working out there every night at all the different clubs, the Comedy Cellar, Stand Up New York, Comic Strip. We all thought we were TV stars the second you got a development deal. And the truth is, there were like hundreds of deals and like maybe one like, you know, whatever yeah. would break, Ray Romano yeah. would break out and yeah. turn into everyone. I'll never forget a comedian came over to me. I won't even say his name. And you may not even know him, you may know him, but he's actually a good comedian. But Why, he, did I date him? Did our... I date him? You don't want to say? You, you dated every, all of us, didn't you? At one point. Mm. Dave, my boyfriend's in the room, so let's just- I'm joking, I'm joking. These are jokes, folks. Oh, my Comedian boyfriend just went, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Comedian producer, producer, okay, go on. He comes over to me and he goes, hey man, I was thinking, you know, for my show, you could play my brother. And I was like, um, you don't have a show, you have a check. 
You have a check. You, the only thing written is not the pilot script, is a check. What are you promising me, Rolls? And by the way, he just had a check. Never had a pilot, never had a script, never had a show. And you know what? You know what a check means now to, to your daughter's age? What does a check mean? Oh my Do you God. have a blue check? Do you have Do a you blue have a, check on oh, your name? That's right. That's so By funny. the way, I just gave you that joke. I'll let you have that for your next It's section. okay, because I already had it. In fact, <laughs> here right now, I can't oh. show you addresses or things, but it's a Frasier residual for two cents. Oh. And I already, yeah, I'm keeping it. I already did this. this oh, is, I love If you that. think, if you want to get into show business, kids, it's yeah. two cents. And I already said, I said that I go, this is like, this is a check that is worthless. A blue check on Instagram is worth more than this. Anyway, the point is. Listen, wait uh, a second. Go back to in-laws, please. I got to okay, start. So my get... manager says, do this, yes. talk about this. I go, I do it. I talk about it on stage. I get five minutes together. We go to Montreal. The networks and studios are watching and they're like, we got to give this guy a show. He has five minutes. So I, so I, of course, accept the deal. We get Kelsey Grammer, who is at that time- Frazier! himself, speaking of like my two-set residual, and, and literally- He wants to exec produce it. He wants to exec produce, he wants to do- he, Didn't he direct the pilot too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he directed the pilot. And so now I'm going into NBC, the president of uh, NBC, Jeff Zucker, who's now the president of CNN. I'm going in with Frazier. Like At thir by the way, you were 30 years old. I remember you were 30. I was 30 years old. I was 27 there. when I got the pilot. Yeah, you were 30. Right. And I'm sitting there with Frazier himself and, and, and the, 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 should we even say his name? No. <laughs> and wait, at this wait, don't go off topic, but at this point, just so the audience knows, how long had you been in LA full time at this point when you got this deal for the show, In Laws That I Did? Not. I was back and forth constantly. Okay, okay. go on. So it was before I had kids, so we could just go back and forth whenever we wanted. And then I would, I would, uh, like I'd come in for pilot season and then I'd go back to New York and try to do stand up. Anyway, so then we're sitting there pitching this. Jeff Zucker's not even listening. He's literally sitting like with his arm around his own couch, looking back at the five screens, going, oh, yeah. what, what are they doing over there on ABC? Don't you and, love that when they yeah, don't listen? And then, yeah. And because Frazier's sitting there, he's like, yeah, okay, so let's do this. And I'm like, he wasn't even listening. He doesn't even know what the show is. He's like, yeah, me living with me. It's kind of like Meet the Parents, but like TV version, and my father-in-law and I don't get along, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 we'll do it. Anyway, cut to, we get the first person, before we got you, before we got the lovely Bonnie Somerville, we got Dennis Farina. Dennis for oh, God now, rest his soul. God rest God, his soul. I mean, we could go on about, this whole podcast could be about Dennis Literally, Farina. that guy changed my life, also taught me so much. But yes, you got Dennis Farina. Just a legend. And, and, and he and I just had the most phenomenal rapport. You really did. I was so mm -hmm. jealous of the two of you. You were so yeah. besties. And he called, me, he called me Goldie from day one. He, you know, Gene Smart and you and him were all surrounding me going, so how do we pronounce your name is it Elon? Is it Elon? Is it Alan? And he goes, "You're Goldie, because I'm not messing with that Elon no, he, crap." He come out with his wad of cash. Wad of cash, like mobster wad of cash. Not yeah, that he was he in the mob. Not that he was in the mob. Not that he was. Not that you know. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying you're accountant. If I was your accountant. If I was, you know. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not saying I'm your account. If I was, if I was your account, if I were your account, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I'm your account. If I were your account, if I were your account, that's Charles Grodin. Midnight Run, Midnight everybody. Run. And then he played. Uh, is this Tommy? I'm gonna take a pencil. I'm gonna stick it right in your eye. Is this more on number one? Put more on number two on the phone. That's Dennis Farina. That's if you haven't seen Midnight line. Run, stop listening to this podcast Seriously. and just go put it on. You'll if be you much happier. If you want to be an actor and you haven't seen Midnight Run, give up. But yes, he so used we, to come so up to get, you and go, yeah. Goldie, hey, hey, come here. 
Come here, Goldie. And one time he said to me, we, we took a trip to New York, and he said, you know what, Goldie? I was walking around Central Park, and I thought to myself, I said, I got some money in my packet. Uh, I got my health, and I'm 3,000 miles away from Goldie. Nothing could be better. <laughs> anyway, so, we, so then we get, Dennis Freeman, we get him, and that's like, oh, my God, this is a guy. And again, this is a different and this, time. Everybody, remember, this is Elon's first show first. that he sells, and it's about his life. So just take that into considera consideration, okay? Okay, go. Little asterisk to that. It's probably the third show that I sold because, again, oh. they were just giving out deals, but nothing okay. that ever aired, whatever. I did Bugs, one. Okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. it's not important. So the point is, so we get him. Again, this is a time when movie stars oh, didn't yeah. do TV. No, you they could, did not. They did not do TV when we started. You, you were, if you did TV. Right. You, you Julia were, Roberts has a TV show right now. Uh, remember? Yeah, I was told you can't do, even when I was a singer first, they were like, right. you know, if you sing, you can't act. Or, you know what I mean? Models don't, it, it, there was never, it, it, we had so many rules. So go on, you get I, Dennis I Green. turned down hosting Talk Soup Ugh. because I thought, they were, I was told, if you're a host, you're not an actor. You're not an actor, you're not, oh not going to get God. part. It's unbelievable, because now you can do anything. And, and anything. I told Dave the other day, my, um, my, what's his name? What's his name? Um, Bob, Steve, No, no, Dan, all right, Frank, all right, Fred. all right. Matt McConaughey. It's Matt McConaughey, he, yeah. The year that he won the Oscar, he won the Emmy for, for, for True Detective. He won the Oscar, and he had a Lincoln commercial running, and it was like, that was it. That was it. Right. Walls, nobody cares. a commercial, you were dead. Oh, dead. Forget it. And yeah. if you did a soap. You were dead. So we get Dennis. Then let's yes. talk about how we get okay, you. Because now we've got to get the fabulous, beautiful Shiksa wife, the, who's also funny, who can also hit a punchline like Bonnie Somerville can. Because let me tell you something. That's not easy. It is not easy to hit punchlines when you're not looking at an audience and, tr and you're really just interacting with another actor and the audience is there and there's 300 people over there. You're not looking at them like stand-up. You're right in their face so they're going to laugh back at you. You're looking at the actor. They're laughing over there and you would nail every line and every I, joke that we did. But let's talk about your audition. I learned a lot from you and, and, uh, and we'll talk about the, what Gene Smart, you know, one of my, oh, my heroes goodness. taught me about comedy, but yes. So this is guys, so you know, this is where I met Elon. Right. I go in for this pilot, it had a lot of heat. It, I had just come off Friends, so I had some heat, Mona, right? It was for NBC. Oh, yeah. It was really, really, really hot in the business, they say, like this was a pilot people wanted, right? Yes. I read it, loved it, laughed out loud. Oh, by the way, guys, side note, this is back when we used to get our scripts, remember the night before on the doorstep? Oh my God. Oh God. And I go, would oh, I would miss script on the, doorstep. on the doorstep and a PA would knock. Yeah. And, and they go, Hey Bonnie, um, here's the notes. We changed some pages and we would go and I'd wait for that script on the doorstep. Right. Oh, now it's like Amazon or the box of oh, dumbbells or whatever. But anyway, I yeah. got the script, loved it, wanted it. Uh, absolutely loved it guys. Just so you know, it was, I still have it. I have it saved. Like it was so freaking good. I went in, yeah. I didn't meet you first. I had like a few rounds because I still was not that known. And then I finally met you like at the t time when they wanted to maybe test me, which- We had a business. chemistry test. Oh, chemistry test. We which... had a chemistry test. And Bonnie and I had the best, I'm doing like Trump now. Yeah. I know a lot of actresses. Bonnie, the best chemistry. I've had a lot of chemistry with a lot of women. Millions and millions of women. But we did, we had a chemistry test, guys. That's what they do. They still call it that. And I- loved you and then i remember and i you 
I remember there were like three or four girls up for it. I went back again. All, and then I just remember there was one time I went in, and this is a true story. You were so, I was so nervous. You were so good to me. You came outside. You weren't Who goes outside? Girls. Nobody. You weren't, you were nice to the other girls, but you literally pulled me aside discreetly and you were like, listen, I love you, but, and you like gave me a couple of like notes of like, you know, but this is what I'm trying, this is what they want or we this want. This is what they want, right, and right. Me, and you literally gave me, in case people don't know about acting, sometimes what the producers want is not maybe what the comedian or the writer wants, but the right. comedian or the writer just wants you to get the job. Right. So they go, just do it this way. For We're them. rooting for you. You did. You go, this is what they're- Actors doing. don't realize that the only person more desperate in that room than the actor is the network and studio and producers that want the perfect person for this role. So we're all nervous. They're nervous going, They're if nervous. we don't cast this perfectly, we lose a billion dollars. And also, who else is more nervous? The casting directors, because Correct. they are so sick and tired of getting their ass every right. day kick going, why did you send us this? She wasn't funny. And they're literally right. going, please, please. But you came outside. Gave me some notes. I went inside. I remember Frazier, uh, Kelsey was there. Everybody was there. I, I killed it. It was like the first time. Because friends, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I was, it was great, but I wasn't anybody. You know what I mean? And I just remember walking out and I walked out of that room and I remember 28 years old. And I was like, I think I just fucking got the lead in the sitcom. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. And, and you did. Thanks to you. And, and I then got to work I remember with getting you. picked up 13 episodes. Again, this was a big deal. Primetime, must-see TV. Remember must-see TV? You know, before that show, I actually pitched another show with Brandon Tartikoff. No, he, God. Yes, the, the late, great, great the late, legend. Great Brandon Tartikoff. Yes. And read The Last Great Ride if you want to know what network television was like before yes. whatever, it fell apart. Read that and book if you want to know. Brandon became like an independent producer at his own company. We went in to pitch to... Les Moonves. This was back in the day. Right now, he, he's much less Moonves. Right? This was when he was more Moonves. <laughs> <laughs> he, now he's barely Moonves. But, you know, and by the way, that's the other great thing about longevity and show business. You, the talent, will either outlive, like all the executives will either die, get me tooed, get well, fired. Now right? they will. How about yeah. the poor? How about all the other poor people that they never got caught? Now forget it. Yeah, forget it. And you know what? Talent, true talent, rises. And if you if you have tenacity and yes. you have perseverance, forget about those executives. I had people at Comedy Central who like never hired me, and it's always regime changes. The first regime when I started doing stand up, they were like, "We love Elon." They literally put me in a pipeline into the future of comedy with Dave Chappelle and Jim Brewer and all these great comedians. They're like, he is the future. Then that regime went away. And, and then you're nothing. Yeah, yeah, the new regime was like, we don't like Elon. We hate Elon. Well, okay, wait, now let me interrupt gone. you. Let me interrupt you. That goes with the theme of second act. You just pointed out something that I always say. That is an experience that people don't realize. You could be here. Maybe, it, maybe it's not you. Maybe they change producers. They, cha they change regime. And then all of a sudden... You literally are back in the room again, like I am in my in 46 years old, auditioning for people right. that I worked for 15 years ago, reminding them that I'm funny. And you're going, I can't. And it's not about you. 
but right. it's literally you have to start over because it's a new it's a new it's a whole new regime change yes always it's always new and it's always yeah you can't you can't even get caught up in that and who's the executive you just have to do great work you always have to try to do your best work that's the key to everything i don't know how you say ad break in hebrew but that's what we're doing we'll be right back Hey guys, so this is a quick ad break. Before I do that, I just want to say, I've been doing this for what, 25 years? I have auditioned for so many voiceovers, I have never booked one, okay? Talking about second act, not one. I had to make my own podcast to do a voiceover. So here it is. Summer's over, fall is here. I know, I know, can't believe it. And you've probably been locked up with your significant other for what, seven, eight months now? I can't even keep count. You still want to look good. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes, and you can look 10 years younger. Who doesn't want to look 10 years younger? It visibly reduces wrinkles, lines, and even eye bags, and results last for hours. So you can try a six-application trial pack for $14.95 with free shipping when you visit tryplexiderm.com. Use the code BELIEVE. Again, that's tryplexiderm.com. Use the code BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V at checkout. You know what? Make those wrinkles and lines and bags disappear because nobody wants to see that. Wait, so how about, let me ask you a question. So when In-Laws was amazing, we became friends, best friends, I love you. And then it got canceled and it was devastating. Would, like, what was that like for you? What was I'll never that like forget, for you? I'll never forget Mark Reisman coming into the room and calling us all together and going, well, I have a bit of bad news. And then he tells us, I'm like, a bit? A bit of bad news? Are you kidding me? This is, this is my ticket. And it was more than, I'm gonna be rich and famous. It was like, I was doing something I loved with people I loved. I loved you. I was- We were also, family. We were, we were family, we were, madly in love with Dennis. And you know, Gene I mean, Smart. We would all go out to dinner, like after every taping and- I had your, two, your son's two-year-old birthday at my, my, my rental house, the first Correct. house I could afford to rent you in the hills. You christened my other son, and we're not even Catholic. Here's, the, you know, here's what people always think about casts. They all get along. They're no. all pals. And it's the opposite, opposite, except us. We were the exception. Truly, we actually truly that was a setup for, for, for disappointment for me after that got canceled. Because, and also, working with the great Jean Smart, you know, growing yes. up with designing women, Yes. I mean, she would pull me aside, um, give me, you know, help, helped me. Oh, I yeah. Told me to speak I, up By the way, I, I actually, I cried to Dennis saying the worst thing is that I'm going to miss you. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we'll always hang out. We'll have dinner, you know. But, oh, my God, it, it was it was it's, depressing. But also, the, it was your life. This was your baby. And so. Well, well and then and then there's that. So here's the thing. It was sort of my, uh, you know, baby that was kidnapped. Well, well, I don't want to, yes. We don't want to get into it, but the point is, I had this idea that- Got hijacked. It it, it wasn't my life story. It wasn't my passion project. Dave, you know, but by the way, I just want to, my boyfriend slash producer just crawled under the desk to get a Diet Coke. And I was like, you know, you could walk, like we're not, on a movie yeah. set. Anyway, we're not on camera. You could walk past us. Plus, we want to see your pretty face, Dave. Yeah, it was a pretty face. Let's see it. You got a pretty face. Say hi, Dave. There he is. Look hey. at that handsome kid. Oh, and those, those, look at those biceps. I know. And that I tush. Know. Oh, the tush is good. Yes. 
But okay, so you were crying, I was crying. So anyway, so, oh, so no, no, no. So the, the hijacking of my sh quote show is that I, I had just, you know, an idea that my manager basically pitched to me. This wasn't really my life story. It was my life at the time story. Right. At the time I was living my in-laws. So it wasn't the dream, the passion project. I wasn't as attached to it as you would think. It was just for me, a really cool, amazing TV gig. And when the showrunner sort of took it and said, okay, this is a great idea. I'm going to write it. You're not going to be in the writer's room ever. And I was like, what? I'm a comedian. I write my own joke. He goes, yeah, no, no, no. Comedians, write, they, they don't get, he goes, Kelsey's not in the room at Frasier. I'm like, yeah, but he's an actor. I'm a comedian and a writer. I should be in the room to lend my voice. Any show that works, you know, from Seinfeld to Romano to Roseanne, the comedian is in the room and lending their voice and writing with them. So the minute he went, no, you're, you're an actor on this. You're out of the room. I went, okay, this is How trouble. How hard is that? How hard is that for, for you, to, um, especially a comedian? How hard is that to, to, to actually take a, take a, you know, be quiet? Like how it, hard, I mean, it it's impossible upset. for me to be quiet. No, no, impossible, Bonnie. In, impossible. I still yeah. think I'm interviewing you. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it was so difficult because I was just like, so, okay, I'll just be an actor on this. I'll be an actor. And That's you had fine. to see jokes. I and I remember an being around you. I remember being with you and you were so good to me. And I would call you in tears because, and it was my first leading role and I wanted it to be good. And I'd be like, Elon, I don't think this is funny. And you were so good to me. And you'd be like, Bonnie, I, 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 I think you think I have more power than I do. And you would be so kind to me. And I'm calling you at like two in the morning and you're going, I agree with you, but, right. but, but, but I, I, you had no say, and that Nothing. has to be somebody no who is say. as brilliant as you. That has yeah. to be hard. It, 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 it's hard, I, I, not because I'm brilliant, which again, we both can agree to, uh, uh, to agree on that one. It's because it was just frustrating to lose, not power or control, but any say, any creative, creative. input, input. Give me some input. Anyway, so- Wait, If you ended up just being an actor, on it, do you think that made it easier for you that it was canceled because they turned you into an actor, not a comedian? Did that kind of take the sting off? Totally, that and because, yeah, I, I, I wasn't involved in it creatively. It wasn't my words, my writing. It wasn't my heart, my soul. It was just a really cool acting gig, which is upsetting because I fell in love with the other actors. That being said, look, here's I what, what I, I realized. I think what's painful is the thing of, of the, sorry to interrupt you, but what could have been is always, is always the painful like this could have been if we just had if i oh, it could have been every show oh, i've done i'm like with I'm the like, right showrunner and the right room it the, could have right, been something and people that are like we have you, the right cast we did but people like you that i've worked with I've, i have been lucky some some people people like you that are open to and i am just an actress right people like you i could pitch you jokes and you're like that's brilliant those are the people that you want to work with. That's lightning in a bottle. Yeah, you had great ideas. No, but hey, you guess need what? To work with You're people. just an actor. And guess what? Some actors have brilliant jokes coming but out of them. Elon, you know how few people have no, the ego. How yeah. few people have the like ego. Actors, writers. Like we should they, be against each other and not collaborate. I, that's what kills me the most is what could have been in, in, in so many situations like the in-laws. It's, it's it like, could have been. And, and But again, the reason it wasn't the ultimate in life's disappointment, and this will get back to uh, the whole second act idea yeah. is, because this was a second act to something I'll tell you about in a second, but I kind of took the side door into that. I didn't really work 
work my way in the way every comedian that establishes his voice, his or her voice first and really you know, builds an act around a persona, and then you can build a show. Like Seinfeld, a bunch of people have said this. Once like you Romano have the hour, is Romano. Yeah, but once you have the hour, oh, it's crazy, it's bad. If you don't, oh, why can't I, I can't get a show anymore, bad. Oh, Ray, Ray, I'm, sorry, Ray I'm trying to talk to Elon. Sorry, Ray, sorry. So wait, Ray, you are you there? Ray, are you there? Yeah. Okay, uh, can, can I just talk to Elon for a minute? No, oh, no, I don't want to, uh, I just bad. Want I, I can't. To, right, no. I need, anyway, so once you have the hour and you've built that hour of stand up and your persona, then you can build a show yeah, around like Chappelle's show. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or there's so many examples of comedians. Uh, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, Bill Cosby. <laughs> Because his body's alive, but his oh. soul he, his, his soul is dead for been dead for fifty years. But 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 you know, Cosby had an act that talked about the wife and the kids, and then that Cosby. Who did Cosby by the way, guys, I don't know. I wanted to go over this, but we're all over the place because let's face it, it's Elon Gold. It's, and it's but you. Elon was also very early on, very early on, very successful doing impressions, and he's one of the best. And 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 he is really, well. That's really- nice, you know. You know, and I, you know, I just spoke to Jay Leno the other day, and he's like, you know, you, you know, you really shouldn't measure success based on you know, man, what your hits show. I mean, anyway, so here's the point. Here's the point. I didn't have everything invested into this in-laws show. It wasn't my act. It wasn't my point of view. It wasn't my, it wasn't my persona. And you really have to build that. And then you take that point of view and persona and, and, and make a show around it. So, so do, you think, do you think that having that show taken out of your control, did that make you want to do another one even more? No, no. It made me not want to do another one. It Ooh. made me want to go back to my stand-up roots. And again, this whole in-laws show was the second act. To what, you ask? What was it well, the second act to? My first act was... From the moment I started doing stand-up at 16, all I wanted to be was Billy Crystal, Martin Short, Eddie Murphy, and, and like those guys. And I watched SNL and I went, I, I do impressions. I, I feel like I could do that. And it was the goal from literally 16 to 23 when I screen tested with Will Ferrell and didn't get it. And was literally in the final, like, 8 to 10. And that, to me, was the biggest disappoint- disappointment because it's all I wanted. I didn't want a sitcom. You I had was- nothing else in your mind but SNL at that time. It was SNL. If Tell I could everybody just- about that audition because I know the story, and that's a really great story. And you're- it's not the best story, but the point— Well, it's fascinating. Well, it's like, first of all, it's so many rounds of submitting tapes and then doing stand-up at clubs. Then they call you into Studio 8H at 30 Rock, and you do like five to ten minutes of just characters, original, and then impressions. How many years had you been doing stand-up at this point? Like like five, six. But how but- many years had you been doing it like... Like, I know, just so the audience knows, like, when you were a kid, because you come from a very artistic, creative family, you know, music, art, theater, your parents were very supportive, you know, both your brothers are musicians. Yeah, this is an artistic family. Did you come out? Was that your thing when you were young? Like, when did you know you were? When did you know you were funny? Like, when were you like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm. That's an excellent question, Bonnie. Thank you. Uh, well, it was back, uh, you know, I was one of those typical, like, sort of uh, shy and introverted, whatever. And I love when what? 
Yeah, I know. I know. It's so surprising. And then you hear like, and I'm not comparing myself, but the, the extreme is like, Robin Williams was very, and then you meet him like, oh, 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 Mr. Happy, hello. You know, and it's just like, wait, this guy is not shy. But guess what? I would see him at the Comedy Cellar and he would sit at the table and just very quietly like Bill talk. Murray, like Bill, Bill Murray. Bill Murray, yeah. And then he would go downstairs and there'd be an explosion of, oh, you know. And it was, so that's it was just your like, inner self getting to express, but it's I guess very so. personal. So wait, when were you funny? Tell me, tell, tell the audience. I, I think it was like sixth or, se- sixth or seventh grade when I started realizing I can do impressions of every teacher and I would just do them to my friends and I would just do the teachers and it got to a point where the, the, the other kids would tell the teacher, you know, you could do an impression of you. Oh, really, Mr. Gold? Why don't you come up here? You know, and I would... By the do- way, can we just give a little shout out to where Elon is from, y'all? The Bronx! The Bronx! Representing. And then um, I have a joke in my act. I say, you know, Jews don't really represent like this, like, yo, what's up? It's more like we represent many clients. Anyway, so, I, yeah, I started doing So you doing were funny these- in seventh grade and you got attention by doing impressions of teachers. Correct. And t- attention from girls, attention from guys. Like Did your parents, like- did you do it for them to get out of shit? Because I did. Uh, yeah, it wasn't to get out of shit. It was just like, I just started noticing, oh, I could do Julia Child, you know, that chef. <laughs> and it. I could do this. <laughs> now we get to do, you know, whatever. But the point is, I, I, I just started doing impressions and I went, this is fun. Then I started like sitting in my room by myself, just writing jokes. And I was like, this is fun too. And I was just like, if only I could do this. And then in like 10th grade in high school, I did in front of the entire high school, I'm talking like 500 kids, there was a, you know what? Where'd Purim you go to is? high school? Give a shout out. No, I'm too embarrassed. Oh, what is it? Temple Bethel, Bethlehem, yeah, Bethlehem. It's like that. No, it's MTA, Yeshiva University oh. High School. It was an all boys high school. Do you imagine me at an all boys high school? No wonder why you married the first girl that ever let you kiss her and you're still married. Literally met her at 15 in high school. And, and it was like, oh my oh. God, are you kidding me? They have those two? <laughs> I thought it was just us. I didn't know they make that species. And I was just, whatever. That's a whole killed. other story. In high school, you killed. You got up in front of everybody and you killed. I got up in front of everybody. It was a Purim spiel, which is a holiday where it's like Halloween. You get dressed up, you do skits, whatever. And I remember writing these two sketches and doing them. And I'm talking, I was like a sophomore. Seniors would pass me by in the hallway. And instead of like throwing something at me, they'd be like, dude, you're funny. And I'm like, you're talking to me, you know, and wow. again, it was an all boys high school. So I didn't get the girls attention necessarily, but at least I got the cool guys attention. And were your and parents supportive of that? Because they're artists. They were very supportive. My parents, because my dad always had a love of show business. He started the first musical comedy theater society in his city college in New York. And literally he showed me a playbill. It was like Sid Gold production. He was very into show business. And he goes, look at this cast. And it said, Alfred Pacino. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's Al Pacino. He was, you, you had him in your little college play. Amazing. And so he always loved the theater. He loved musicals. He's gay. Anyway, we, Anywho, no, my it. younger brother's gay, but there's, there, there's a lot of thought and discussion of whether or not dad's gay. Married happily for 55 years. Uh, I've almost heard I mean, them who having, isn't really, who isn't at this who point? Who isn't? At this point, we're all gay. I but mean, the I point don't... is, the point is dad very into theater and would always- yes. You know, brought us up on Broadway shows. My younger brother, Ari, the great Sir Ari Gold, would start oh, yes. doing jingles. Yes, and he would sing. And they sang. He's an amazing singer. Amazing singer. My older brother, 
uh, uh, I mean, a producer, more, musician, yeah, and 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 a composer, and and as a Grammy winning, you know, for for Colbert Christmas uh, show, because you know so all when the you Jews. Did that, wait, when we you do did the that Christmas high school songs. thing, when you killed at high school, was that the moment that you went? That's it. This is what I'm going to do. That is the exact moment where I said I have never felt this level of, you know, feeling rewarded. It was so rewarding. It was so gratifying. And it was so exciting. So and when then, did you start? And, and to answer the thing about my parents. So knowing my parents who were teachers, you know, in the South Bronx and while they. South, South Bronx. South right, Bronx. While they were very into, um, you know, show business and Broadway and all that, they still just had these jobs as teachers. And then my younger brother, Ari, like I said, started doing jingles and other kids would start going over to my dad going, how, how did you get your son into, well, it's a long story, but da da da, he was in a singing contest and da da da. Well, would you represent me too? Cut to my dad is now Broadway Danny Rose representing, you know, kids and, and adults and young adults in commercials. And so good, and good to know that you, you came from a family, unlike a lot of us, you know, they were supportive because that is important. Beyond supportive. I still, at Boston University, was an economics major and all through college I was doing stand-up. I would tour up and down the East Coast, go hide morning and i would drive all the way up there do the gig make a hundred bucks whatever and then come back down and i, I can't I, believe you were at bu and i was at bc and we met so years crazy. later but wait listen i just want everyone to know we this could story. have actually made love i know we talk a lot about making I love no i think we would have really i mean i have this very a very quick very very quick anecdote because i really want you to answer my question but the funniest story you guys listening that when i played elon's wife on his show they had a 18 month old baby brandon who just went to college don't get me started we're old his He's wife 20. i can't his wife He's would come to set and i would joke around because they would write a kissing scene now we're talking an eight o'clock sitcom so it would literally be a peck and elon would not kiss me during rehearsals and he would be like very mm. respectful and, and then she'd go, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Wrong? Give her a damn kiss, and would he you? Always, so he likes Stick to your front. tongue in that shit. He likes would to you? front about all this, but wait. You, you want to hear, wait, you want to hear while we're on that topic about oh boy, kissing. Oh An even better story is because you weren't my first. My first TV wife was the lovely Cynthia Geary from Northern Exposure. And what happened was, this was a terrible sitcom on the WB, and we were doing the pilot, and we had a kissing scene, and I start kissing her, and the director pulls me over to the side, and he said, I just have a question. Are you gay? And I said, no, no why? No, I'm, ma I'm married and a lovely wife. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you're, you, you refuse to, like, kiss her. And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to be respectful. I, I think if I like stuck my tongue down her mouth, she would like smack me or, you know, in 30 years, I predicted the Me Too movement. And I did like, this with I me every week. And, and then I, I would purposefully run and kiss you. And it's like a little girl in nursery school that Elon right. would go, yeah, yeah, get away from me. So guys, just so you know, we have this bit that we talk about, you know, fucking and all that. Right. He, he literally wouldn't come near me. I, but wouldn't, wait. I wouldn't come anywhere. <laughs> I did one time by accident come near you. Where? Where was I? <laughs> it's a double entendre. All right, listen to me. I want to go back to when you did the stand-up. Okay, so you, you decide, you go, this is it. This, yes. this, when did you, what was your very first professional stand-up moment 
first time you went on stage paid, whether it was 20 bucks in the city. I followed Adam Sandler at the comic strip and it was open mic night and it was like 1987. And I, and this guy was like, it was, everyone was awful, everyone. Cause open mic night, it's people literally doing it for the first time. And almost no one is good the first time except me. But anyway, and the only reason I was good is cause I was doing impressions. So right. it's and very that's easy. what I want people to know. You you do amazing impressions, and that's when I knew you. But you right, you know, you and kind all of- the impressions I did was impressions of other comedians with my own material in their voice. So I would do like Howie Mandel. All right, okay, what what like, and I would write jokes. And I just told Howie this on my show that the jokes would be in his vein. I go, I bet you would have loved the jokes. Like one of the jokes was, okay, all right, um, a e i o u i u a o e. I just moved my vowels, and he's like, that is exactly the kind of freaking stupid poop joke that I would have done. So I would write jokes and that, you know, Gilbert Gottfried, oh, stop it, please. I can't, I can't. Anyway, and all these comedians I would do, Dice and, and, and Bobcat Goldthwait, right, um, thank you very much. Nobody knows these people anymore. But the point is when I was starting out, these were the hippest, hottest comedians of the day. Wait, Some I people didn't even off. know. That yeah. open, I'm sorry, I cut you off. That open mic night, the very first time you did it, you followed Sandler. Yeah. What? The very first time, what happened? What, what happened Everyone in your is brain? Bombing. Everyone is bombing. And then they say, and I, by the way, at that point, seeing one after the other, just tanking, just eating it. I turn to my brother and our friend Dave Baum and I say, guys, if this doesn't work, if I don't do well, if this, this is humiliating, I'm never doing this again. Just want you to know that you right now. That? Humiliation of just dying on stage i said that and sandler goes up and they introduced him he was a nobody before snl before everything but he was a regular at the comic strip. It was like now instead of all these open micers our next guest is a regular here at the comic strip one of our past you know regular please welcome adam sandler he comes on nobody knows him and he is just funny he is genuinely funny with great jokes amazing material and people are laughing so i'm like oh okay maybe maybe because i also prepared actual good jokes and I'm going to do impressions. Maybe I won't bomb like the other eight guys before Sandler. So Sandler, clear, you know, defibrillator to just wake them up. And Sandler was that defibrillator. Then I go on and again, only because I did impressions and partly for beginner's luck's sake, I killed. Like, I literally thought to myself, okay, I'm now a comedian. I, not only am I a comedian, I'm a famous comedian because 48 people just went nuts. And I just played the comic strip. You literally think to yourself, that's it. That's all I got to do. That's it. I'll never forget when I opened for Barry Sobel at the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco, having only done stand up like for two years. And I got an MTV spot on this thing, the show called Half Hour Comedy Hour, which, by the way, if you look at the list of people who booked that show, it's literally Chris Rock, Adam Sandler, David Spade, Damon Wayans, Hicks, Dennis Leary, Drew Carey. I, I can't even, it's every, Ray Ramon, it's everyone that then became gigantic and me. So you so I do that, that. show. And, and I get to audition. I get not. I get, so I get called to do to to do the radio. You know uh, the, this huge hall, uh, uh, Great American Music Hall. And I'll never forget 
this guy's manager, the headliner's manager comes over to me and he goes, well, now you're doing stand-up. You just gotta, you know, hit the road and maybe like in 10 years, things will really start cooking. And I'm like, That's it. hit the road, 10 years, hit the road, 10 years. No, I said the opposite. I went, I I I'm already, I'm huge. I've been doing this two years. I just played to 400 people. What do you mean? I had no concept. You had to put years of work, years and years and years of work. So Can I stop for a new bit I'm working on? Can I stop for a new bit I'm yeah, working on? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Because I, I, I said the word work. And I'm working on this bit that comedians don't really work, okay? It, 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 you can get paid for something. That doesn't make it work. You could also get paid for sex. Is that work, though, <laughs> necessarily? Right? I mean, think about, like, right? Am I, are you with me? Yeah, sometimes it's work. Depends and on yet, and, and yet they have the nerve to call it sex worker. They have the, <laughs> they have the nerve. I'm not an idiot. I don't call myself a joke worker. And by the way, even my jokes don't work. So that's true. Yeah, thank hey, you. Listen, I gotta yeah. ask you though. Go ahead. So, 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 cut to from all this. So now you start doing it. So you go to SNL, right? That's I'm doing that's impressions. It. I go to SNL. Will Ferrell. That's your it. Like, that's your it. You're like, I'm gonna this get is this. It. Lauren Michaels passes me in the hallway and goes, "Very funny." I go to a payphone. Remember those? And I literally call Sasha and my best friend Schiffer, and I'm like, oh, "I think I got it." Lauren just said I was funny. I totally killed it. And then just like. And then you didn't get it. Then that was the worst call. That was do, so. Do you think that was a defining moment as far as like the second act theme that you were so devastated and you were just like, what the fuck do I do now? A hundred percent. And it was also, I started steering away from impressions because to me, I still to this day don't consider myself in any way an impressionist. I'm a comedian who yeah. does impressions. No, I don't think you're an impressionist. I think right. you're just damn good at it. Thank you. Right. So it's like a little God given gift that I, you know, it's innate. It's, it's inborn. I take no credit for it, but I'm certainly not an impressionist. I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be Fred Travelina and work Vegas the rest of my life. What for do you me, think you do? Well, let me ask you what, cause I know you for t almost 20 years and I, it, one of your biggest fans. What do you think is something in your bag of tricks that you want to do and you have not done yet? Like what? Because we've all had, a, you know, I, you've had a million second acts. We could talk for hours. What's something right. right now off the top of your head that you haven't done you want to do? Host a show like the Emmys. You would be so yeah, fucking because amazing. I don't want to brag, but I have hosted the Chabad Telethon. Listen, <laughs> listen he's, he's, he's huge in Tel Aviv. You know I'm what I mean? Huge. I can't walk the streets of Jerusalem. But the point is, I love that. And again, my heroes, guys like Billy Crystal, yeah. you know, doing sketch comedy. He also did a sitcom, then hosting the Oscars, like all that stuff, doing movies. I'd love to do a really good, juicy, meaty part in, in, in a movie. But um, you could, by the way, you're also a great actor. But you know what I right. said? To, I was talking about you trying to prep for this interview, not, not as a friend. I said, you always inspire me like, cause you know, I, I get down, I have depression. I'm open right. about it. You know, I, you know, I've had moments of sabotage. How have you managed with all the years and being a comedian? I mean, it is the most, it I think the, it's the big, how do you, you know, always stay so positive and I happy was, and you've never given up. I was literally having the thought. It's, it's, it's interesting that you asked this because having that thought while running this morning, um, I think it's the big five and, and literally had this thought this morning, although I've always thought about these things, 
putting it into five, a category of five, these are the things that are most important to me. This is my mantra. This is how I live my life. And it just goes like this. God, family, community, comedy, colostomy. And the last one is because the last one represents health. I thought I was almost tearing up. <laughs> the last one represents health. health. I just don't ever want a colostomy bag. You know what that if goes If I could back be healthy to... enough to not have a bag but of then... poop attached to my pants, then I will be happy. But those things of God and family, that's what keeps you grounded. It keeps that you what sane. goes back to what I said, though, about why I've always admired you and right. why, remember, you, I wanted you to find me a nice Jewish guy after I met yeah. you because the concept of family, I didn't right. grow up with that. My dad wasn't around. I grew up right. in the opposite of what you and and because i don't have clinical or chemical depression yeah um but believe me i can get depressed when i do go to the dark places i just write i writing is such a that's so right just writing makes me so happy when something good happens i get more depressed when it's shit but like writing or but but when you get down you just know you well i have kids and i gotta take care of them i just can't stay down for long and again it's not a chemical imbalance so i can control it i can will my way out of it right. there's nothing a depressed person wants to hear more nothing doesn't want to hear more than yeah no can't you just pick yourself no. up and no. No. no i can't but i can thankfully and Thank when god. i think about what matters and i have faith in god and, and in myself by the way have faith in yourself too what would you tell right now com uh, struggling comedians listen listening to this when they've gotten like rejected from snl like in-laws canceled but yeah. they don't they don't have the family and the wife that you have what would it, you tell so and they're much so down on themselves what would you tell them I'm not sure what I would tell them, but I, I will say this. I'm very thankful that I'm a comedian and an actor, and I've always felt badly for people like you who are mostly, because you're other things, like a musician and a singer, but mostly an actor. If I was mostly an actor and all I did was get rejected every single day, yes. I don't know what I would do. But do you know that every day I would audition and they would call me, yeah, yeah, they, they hated you, or a test, oh, yeah, you think the other guy got it. Every day, instead of going down, I'd work on my act, go to a club and at night kill and be like, oh, yeah, they're uh, just wrong. They don't yeah. see it. The audience sees it, but I can do this and I, I, I could be funny. You know, a, a casting director could say, he wasn't funny. Oh, but really? Because a few hundred people just but told you, me I was. You're writing that, and I'm finally doing this after 25 years. I'm trying to create because that's what got me in my worst place when I hit rock bottom, which the show right. came from. It was this rejection. There was just one too many code black. And I just went into such a dark place. And it was like, yep. oh, it's because I, I was a model first, judged on my looks. I was the, I have never been in charge of my own content. Yep. I and have it's not never just, done it's it. It's not just rejection that we all face and the whole, everyone faces rejection. Yeah. It's for me, I wasn't just rejected. I was literally, because I had two sitcoms in a row, because then I did another one with Pam Anderson and Steve Levitan before he created Modern Family, he created the show called Stack, Stacked on Fox. Once those back-to-back- It was back weird that back, you cast Pam Anderson and Stacked, not me. I didn't cast me. anyone. I was no, cast no, as No, no, just not me. It's a bizarre. I was cast as an actor myself, girlfriend. I'm kidding. And, and once that happened, I was put into show business prison. So it wasn't just rejection. I couldn't even get the auditions, barely. You know what I always said? I said, it felt like I was in 
show business prison with conjugal visits because every rarely they would let me go oh and we'll give you a you know a, a guest star on the mentalist or or you get a three episode arc on bones because i auditioned and whatever right. they would let me audition every it would, these were conjugal visits every two years they'd let me out for another something but i was in prison i couldn't get arrested and, and then you almost, had and then you had 15 hundred kids so then you have to keep working then act that then act seven or eight was hey you know what i'm you know really good at and and is very important to me because you know in comedy you have to talk about what what's important to you what you know yes. and, and and what you care about and i care about again faith and judaism and my people so i started developing all this material about our customs and rituals and traditions and not making fun, but poking fun. And I developed this entire new Jewish act. And then there's this circuit of Jewish fundraisers yeah. and yeah, all these Jewish gigs. And I became the king of the Jews, no offense to Jesus, but I am the modern day whoa, king of the whoa, Jews. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, we'll talk later, go. He was the king of the Jews. Listen, listen. I am well, now I'll have the a king. talk with him. I have a, a dial and I went to Catholic school. I could just call you him. You should have time. a dialogue with Jesus. Anyway, you know so what? The- You're so right, Elon. Think, think about that. Anyone listening, I really have always envied that about my friends like you that are writers and comedians that I look back and, and any, I wish I had done this earlier, created my own voice yes. and not just been- You should have done this earlier. Your friend, because you know, after, an actress after- for hire. Yes, because you can't just rely on the business or on getting parts or whatever. You have to, sometimes it's self-generated. You just have to build your own, choose your own adventure. And I went, this Jewish thing is really rewarding. And, and, and it was paying the mortgage while I'm in show business jail. I was in what I call shul business. Shul means synagogue, temple. I was in shul business. Show business had rejected me. Shul business was, I was playing synagogues. I was so doing- you're telling the audience, you got to create your own second act. Correct. And your own fifth and sixth and eighth and eighth, tenth. And right tenth. now- and right now, it's literally going on Instagram and doing a daily show. Well, what you did, my funny quarantine, yeah. awesome. You did it right away, like day one. You were on day Instagram one. Live, boom. Okay, how am I going to create? And I'm sitting there going depressed, and 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 I'm looking at all my friends like you guys go. And and Dave was like, "Well, you have this idea for the podcast. What 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 the fuck are you doing? Let's do it. Like, right, create, right. create. Right, because and we are creative. Create, yes, yes. You have to create. You can't. What if stages are closed yeah. and clubs are closed and any venues are closed? Well, what, what is what you have to create the stage? So are all clubs stage. closed right now? Everything, just to- is Every, everything is on Zoom. Literally two nights ago at 3.20 in the morning, I did a Zoom gig to Australia because oh there God. was like whatever, 7 p.m. And by the way, my opening joke was, uh, oh, my God, it's exhausting. It's 3.30 in the morning for me. I never thought that I could Zoom to Australia and get jet lag. <laughs> And by the way, and as much as You're I was killing proud, in Long Beach right now, by the thank way, thank you. And, and and as much as I was proud of that joke, all I did after I after the Zoom gig ended, I went, should I have said instead of, <laughs> I didn't know you could Zoom to Australia and get jet lag. Should I have worded it? I didn't know you could get jet lag, jet lagged Zooming to Australia. But- What's the better version? Is no, it what you said was the, No, right. what you said was better. But again, that's even a little side note. The, the people don't realize that people like us, I mean, you more than me, because you write, 
that it never ends. Like whether it's your second never act, ends. your 40th act, you still go to bed at night. I have nightmares about what I should have said or I left a room, was I, cause you know, I'm, I don't know if you know this, I talk a lot sometimes, maybe a little bit. No. Uh, yeah, sometimes no, a little not bit. True. Don't a little listen bit, to people bit. who say that, but little let me speak for did. just a little, minute in this hour. A little bit you did, a little bit you did. A little bit you did, Tommy. A little bit. You interrupted them. What's your point, Bonnie Somerville? No, we, they don't realize like you go to bed at night, second yes. guessing, it never ends. Right. And, but that's also, it's a blessing and a curse, right? It's right. a blessing and a curse because I go to bed at night going, and that's part of this whole new world we live in. Like you're killing it because you're a comedian. You're doing these zooms. Elon, I'm doing these tapes, self tapes, and you know me, I'm not in the room. So part of my yes. thing is my shtick in the room. Of and I'm like, course. I know Elon. You, you are dynamite in the room. You walk into a room and it's not just heads turn because you're gorgeous. It's your charisma. Thank it's you. literally a chemistry thing. Thank you. I'm and it, you, you don't have that when no. you're putting yourself on tape. No. Everyone on tape looks like a softcore porn actor. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone. And it's the worst thing. I've never booked off of tape. Honey, never. honey, honey, do you want me to look like a softcore porn actor? Yeah, baby. All yeah. right, listen. I, yes. I, I, I want to talk to you for hours, but I got to. We we'll do a part two in like oh, a year will. when I'm. When we're still in quarantine. Oh, we're doing a part two, but I'm going to ask you five questions to wrap up our Go ahead. interview. Okay. If in-laws got picked up and had been on for the past 15 years, where would our characters be today? I was a nurse. You were a chef. Mm -hmm. Dennis had just retired and Jean was a real estate agent. Where would we be today? I would have had a restaurant that shut down and you would have died of COVID. What else okay. you got? Okay. What is the best and the worst story that you have of when you've done your impressions to the actual person's face? Oh, the you should best... have asked me this when we had more time. We've already exceeded no, I, our no, hour. Our go. time's up. No, no, you could. Can, you can, Did I mention I, I have to go to Jeff Garland's house to film something with him right now? Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> no, 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 let story. me just answer that quickly. Let me the answer best, that quickly. The best, th the best time, the worst time. Okay, doing Howard Stern for Howard Stern. Oh, well, this is very exciting. Let me tell you something, Robin. This Elon Gold, uh, he really nails me. <laughs> um, he loved it. And just knowing that we did, I did these sketches on MTV I'm with so me. so turned on right now. I'm really <laughs> a little turned on. <laughs> I know you love Howard. Who doesn't? But I asked Dave Chappelle to be Robin. And we did these sketches on MTV. And Howard saw it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest. And then there's a very long Charles Grodin story about me doing him on the lips uh, with Conan. Robert Smigley used to always do those lips of like Bill Clinton, Bob Dole. They asked me to do Charles Grodin. And I knew that Charles Grodin didn't want to see the impression from earlier. I heard he doesn't. I don't want to be self-conscious. I don't want to see an impression of myself. Can I ask you not to do the impression of me? But anyway, he, he did. He, he saw it because they forced him to. And he refused to sit down when he came out on the Conan O'Brien show. He went, I was ambushed. I, I really don't appreciate it. Do I sound like that? I don't, I, don't, I don't really sound like that. Do I sound like that? So that was a bad negative experience. Okay. Growing up from in New York, I know you've been out here a long time, but what do you miss the most as a fellow New Yorker? Like, what do you miss the most of living there? Uh, the club scene, going, literally doing four spots a night, going from yeah. club to club to club to club. And it's just like, wow, you could work on stuff in the cab or the car on the way from one club and then you rework a joke. I do miss that. The reason I don't miss New York is because I spend every summer in New York. Except this one, obviously. So I don't miss New York because I feel like I still live there part of the year. And also tell the um, newbies. Because my parents and in-laws are still in 
uh, New York. So we take the kids and everybody spends summers there. Yeah. Tell the newbies though, which I found out just through, just through being friends with you and other standups, when you would come into the city and, and, and do all those nights, what was the average paycheck you made after those nights? Was it like 15 bucks or 20? It was the cab fare. It was literally 20 bucks a spot. Sometimes it was 25. I think now it's up to 40. All right, <laughs> one is. more question. Yeah. Who is your absolute favorite actress on, on television ever, ever in the history of the world? On television. <laughs> And, and just actresses, not yeah, actresses. just in general, just in like general. Like just act, actresses? Yeah, just an actress, favorite actress. Okay, okay. Amanda Peet. You are a fucking oh, asshole. You, you are a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. Because every time, Bonnie's very oh. threatened by Amanda because I did one movie where she played my wife and Bonnie's All like, right. oh, you have another wife now? So That's Bonnie, it. I did that. It's That's you. It. It's That's always it. been you. We're done. I love you. I admire you. You're the best. You're the I funniest. You. you killed at my roast. I you're talented. You. You're sweet. You're musically gifted. I you're, love you. You're actively, what's the word? Actorly gifted. I'm, yeah, I'm I gifted in a lot of ways, but I love you and I I'm love so, you in every I want to do this again because I just could talk to you for hours. Tell everyone where they can We've find you. We've scratched the surface and my balls, which you can't see when I scratch my balls on the Zoom, right? That's no. That's the thing about Zoom. I'm literally scratching my balls <laughs> and you cannot see. Listen, so I got balls over here to the left of me. I got balls everywhere. Balls and balls. I love when the Brooklyn over. Bonnie comes. Listen, I got balls everywhere. I got, ball. I got bigger balls than the two guys like in a, this room right now. Right, right. I got Tell everybody where balls. to find you, my darling. Tell everybody where to find you right now. Uh, you know, I got a special on Amazon Prime. I, oh, I'm, just go to YouTube. I have all these clips and I have a the show Amazon on Instagram. Follow really me good. at Elon Gold, E-L-O-N-G-O-L-D. I'm very proud of that special called Chosen and Taken, you know, and little parts and things and, and, and stuff. And I was on In-Laws. Did I mention that? And also you were the best guy in the whole show of Fauda. You were the best. You were the, you, you were the best. Oh, you weren't in Fauda. No, no. That hurts. <laughs> I just told you I was in, I've been in show business jail and I'm trying to claw my way out. I am developing a new TV show. So let's hope that the show business gods let me back in. Is there a part for me or no? I'm too, too old. It's, it's, we cast Amanda uh, already. We, we, you, know, we, you know what? You're an asshole. We, we Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Hey, I love, love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm still laughing after that interview i don't think he is really one of the funniest people i've ever met honestly he makes me laugh so hard and you know what's great about elon he's so supportive of other people being funny he's always been that guy he's so supportive he loves making people laugh but he loves supporting other people and i hope you enjoyed that as much as i enjoyed doing it and i hope you got some inspiration there about you know, there's another person so many times, so many times having to get back up, reinvent himself, such a positive person, so much insight there about staying positive and family and faith and love and, and how do you just keep going? And um, I love him. Hope you love that. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, this is Second Act on the Believe Podcast Network. Tell all your friends. Follow me on social media at Second Act underscore pod or me, Bonds. Summerville on Instagram and follow Elon at Elon Gold on Twitter and Elon Gold on Instagram. And if you've never seen him do stand up, check into his live Instagram stories he's doing during the quarantine. He's just he's just awesome and he's hilarious 
and he'll make you feel good, even if you're in the worst mood ever. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. I hope you all have a great day, great weekend, great morning, wherever you're listening to this. And I cannot wait to bring you my next guest because he's also awesome. And it's just going to get better and better. So thank you so much. And don't forget to send me those messages. I want to hear from you guys. Okay, bye. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.